Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Fantastic. You good? Hey, uh, you just give your, the person beside you a corona fist pump. So corona, we fist pump now. We don't shake. We fist pump. Pretty cool, eh? Always wanted to do that, but I didn't feel young enough. But now I have license to pump on. Pump on with y'all. That's American if you say that. A few weeks ago, uh, I preached a message called I Am Christian. Anyone remember that? You were here? You weren't here. I Am Christian. And uh, I've been looking at the life of David over the last few weeks, and I saw a parallel running between David and Jesus that I want to share with you today. Uh, We know that King Saul (coughs) disobeyed God and lost his crown. God found David and anointed him to be the king. Now, that didn't go well with Saul, as you could imagine, and so David ended up on the run. That's like a pretty fast overview of uh, a period of time. And he ends up hiding in a cave called Adullam. And uh, David was well known, you know, to the people. He slayed Goliath. Uh, He married the king's daughter. And of course, uh, you know, he was a great commander of the armies. He he led the people out uh, with many victories over the Philistines. But because of the jealousy of Saul, he was now a wanted man in hiding. Now, you would think that that would be the end of the story, wouldn't you? I mean, David, you know, he's on the run, he's hiding in a cave, he's on his own, and uh, not the case. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 and 2 says this, that David left Garth and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or disconnected gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. So I'm reading through this passage of Scripture and um, I wonder why. why. Why are all these people gathering to David? Why, why are they searching him out? Why are they, they finding him and, and connecting where he's at in this cave? I mean, think about it. There were two sides in this story. There was King Saul, um, uh, who had the whole world at his disposal. I mean, he was a king. He had armies. He didn't have to hide. He could be out in the open. Um, And then you had David, and all he had was God's anointing. So you've got to wonder, why, why follow David? Why will these people leave their homes, risk their families to turn against the current king and all his power and might and run to this this guy hiding in a cave. And we may ask the same question of everyone in this room. We know David was a type of Christ. And so we can ask every believer here today, why follow Jesus? 
Why follow Jesus? Look at the two, look, look at the contrast to the world in we, which we live in, which has so much freedom, is so vast, is so huge. Why would you choose to follow Jesus? We can align ourselves with, with these 400. We know that the disciples left everything to follow Jesus. These people left everything to follow David. Why? What did they get out of it? What, what attracted them? What was in it for them? Number one today, we look and we see that they found home. They found a home. It didn't matter where they were. What, you know, they were looking for something on the inside. In verse 23, we read this. Stay with me. This is David. Don't be afraid. The man who wants to kill you is trying to kill me too. You will be safe with me. They were looking for a place of refuge. They were looking, you know, for a place where they could escape the hardships of the world. Verse 2 tells us that they were in distress, that they were in debt, that they were disconnected, and David had become their leader. Sound like anyone you know. They were looking for a safe place to belong. A safe place to bring their families where they'd be cared for and where they could find restoration. They were so depressed under Saul's rule, oppressed, that they were prepared to leave it behind for a brand new start. And I thought about that because I remember when we first pioneered Highway Church, you know, we, 25 years ago, we, we got, uh, you know, in the cars and we drove out all through the, the back blocks of Willow Vale and back then it was all acreage. So you had maybe, you know, three or four houses per kilometre or whatever, you know, it was, wasn't like a, you know, letterbox drop in a city. It was country, and we drove and drove and drove, put these flyers in, you know, saying a church was starting, and, uh, you know, our caption was, come for a brand new start. Come for a brand new start. And it was prophesied on the first day, the first service that Highway ever had, it was prophesied that this house would be a house of restoration. And we have seen that you know, countless times over so many years. People's lives restored. Jesus explains it this way in Matthew 11, 28, 30. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And this is the place that you belong, not the place that you just attend. This is the place where you are a part of a home. This is the house of God. This is the family of God. And you come to belong, to find a home. And of course, we know that as Jesus is the head of the house, you know, we're in good hands for what's needed. But we must put our trust in him. I want you to hear me today. We must put our trust in him. We have a choice. 
we have a choice, even with what's, you know, going around the world today that we just prayed about. We have a choice. We trust him. We trust him and fist pump. That's what we do with fist pump now. I like that. It's like Shazam, the rings clash. Anyway. Second reason why. You only get a glimpse of what happens in here, folks. I've got to live with this, all right? Pray for me. The second thing was it was the same cause. It was the same cause. In verse 23, read it again. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. The man who wants to kill you is trying to kill me too. It was the same cause. They knew that, you know, Saul was their first king. The first king that the people of Israel had. Before Saul, this is how it worked. God would speak to the prophets. And then the prophets would speak to the people. And they would obey it and they would prosper. Simple, yeah? Simple recipe. That's how it worked. But somehow in, in man's, you know, thinking, they, they started to look around and say, wait a minute, we want a king like all the other nations, right? That was their thinking. 1 Samuel verse eight, uh, chapter 8, 9 and 20, it says, But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations. Listen to it. My goodness, if that's not a disaster for uh, a recipe for disaster. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and to fight our battles. The people chose a man over God and that never works out well. It never works out well. Men make lousy gods. And Saul was no different. It wasn't long before the people were oppressed and taxed. There's no taxes before that. Didn't have to fund a, a palace and all those things because they didn't have a king. It wasn't long before they realized that that type of power in man's hands corrupts. So those who were broken down under the yoke of the king gathered together under the, the one that God had anointed. You know, maybe these guys, some of them maybe remembered what it was like before Saul when they lived under the, you know, God's plan and realized, wait a minute, we, we were blessed back then. We were favoured back then. Now, now we're just, you know, living under this oppression. Maybe they wanted that back. We gather together under the cause of Christ. And this is what Jesus preached. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now they tell me that this generation is um, really big on social justice. Is that right? Really big. The big thing about this generation is social justice. You know, we've got, to, we've got to do something. We've got to make it all. I tell you what, I think Jesus has got all that covered. I think Jesus has got all that covered. 
He's preaching love. He's preaching peace. He's preaching equality. He's preaching freedom. Isn't that what the world is striving for? We got it in Christ. We got it right from the beginning. That's the very foundation that, you know, the church of Christ was built upon. you think they would be flocking to the door. Amen? We've got to put a rail at the top of the cliff, not an ambulance at the bottom. And that's the thinking of the world in which we live. See, if we allow Jesus to teach us how to live, we become an overcomer, not a victim. It's incredibly important. The world puts all these systems in place to look after the victim. What about we become overcomers? Christ wants us overcomers. He wants us the head, not the tail. He wants us to lead people away from those situations, not be victims to them. Amen? Our lifestyle, the way we live, the Spirit of God, we're fighting the same cause here. Those who are against God are against people. The third reason why is because I can't lose. I can't lose. And I love I love what you're talking about this morning. can't lose. Verse 23, stay with me. Don't be afraid. The man who wants to kill us is trying to kill me too. You will be safe with me. The word of the Lord, you will be safe with me. You can't lose, folks. We forget that sometimes. We get so caught up in situation and circumstance and realize, you know, we forget who we are. We cannot lose. Now, I know it didn't look like it at the time. All these people gathered in the cave of Adullam. It didn't look like it, but these guys knew they were on the winning team. Why would you go there if you didn't know that it was going to be better? Only a fool would do that. Let's find a worse situation. Let's gather there. No. Doesn't happen that way. David had a handful of men compared to Saul's mighty army. But God was with him. God was with him. Don't forget that, church. God was with him. And I've learned over the years that if God's with you, you can't lose. You can't lose. It doesn't mean that you won't go through battles. You will for sure. It just means at the end you will always win. You'll always win. And even those battles, even those things that come against you will teach you, train you, equip you, build you to take on anything else that comes your way. Amen? You better believe it. I've walked with the Lord for 40 years now. And I can tell you that it's not insanity, folks, to go through some of the toughest situations in your life with just a little smile on the side of your mouth. Because you know, I don't know how God's going to do this. But God is with me. I don't know how this is going to pan out. I don't know how this is going to turn around. But God is with me. God is with me. And in that, I can be, you know, I can have a little bit of confidence to go through the situation and the circumstance. Jesus said, 
in Luke 4, 18, we just read that passage of Scripture, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And that's the key to all of it. That is the key to all of it. That's what the world doesn't understand. That's what the world can't get their head around. They miss it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I can't lose. I can't lose. Now, if you want to do it your own way, if you want to do it with your own understanding, then roll the dice. I mean, sometimes you're going to win and sometimes you're going to lose. It's a gamble. But if you trust him, if you trust him and know, wait a minute, God is with me. God, I don't need to get depressed. I don't need to get overwhelmed. I don't need to get, you know, struck. No, God is with me. God is with me. I can't lose. So why am I a Christian? Because I've got to tell you, I've lived under both kings. And King Jesus is the best by far. By far, I've lived under them. You know, I, I lived under that world system for 25 years before I found Christ, and it nearly killed me. And it certainly killed my parents, no doubt about it. Certainly killed my parents, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We can't lose. God is with us. Will there be hassles? Will there be problems? Will things turn against us? Absolutely. But we will not lose. We must win because God is with us. It's an amazing thing, you know, when the, when the world is all you have, when the world is all you have, you invest your life into what makes you happy. Is that right? Isn't that the mantra out there? What's in it for me? How can, you know, me, 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 me? But when you, you know you can't lose. When you know God is with you, when you know you can't lose, you spend your life wanting others to be happy. And in doing so, you end up the happiest of all. It's kind of weird, but that's how it works. It works in reverse. When we're focused on ourselves, what can I get for me? How can I do this for me? How can I make my life better? When we're focused on that, you know, it, it never pans out. But when we start to realise, wait a minute, God is with me. I can't lose here. I can, I can look to make other people's lives better in my world. And as soon as we begin to do that, all of a sudden the greatest joy the greatest happiness of life begins to rise within each of us. Why? Because that's how God works. That's the God plan for our life. That we would make a difference. That's why I love Christianity. You find a home. We fight for the same cause. You can't lose, folks. You can't lose. It is the best life you could ever choose. And you're sitting here today, and I mean, you come regularly, and you know, you love the Lord, I know that. But there could be people here today that you just, you've never made that link. You've never connected. You don't get it. And I tell you what, before you know Christ, you won't get it. I didn't. I thought, what? It's all back to front, it looks topsy turvy. 
It doesn't make sense. But see, with God, it doesn't make sense. If it made sense, you wouldn't need faith. Amen? But you trust him. You put your trust in him. And then all of a sudden, it's like, bang, it works out. And you think, ah, I get it now. I get it now. So can I encourage you today? Can I challenge you, please? Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Let me pray for you. Father, Lord, to everyone sitting here today, those who know you and those yet to know you, we, we pray the revelation of your word. The revelation, the, 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 the capturing of your spirit, the understanding that we get when you touch our lives, when you speak to us, when you lead us into greener pastures. Well, we just want that for everybody. We want everyone to get it, to understand it, to live it, to love it, because it's worth it all. Amen. Amen. How's my time? We've got a little bit of time. I need to, I need to have a dad chat with you. You ready? You ready? Okay. Now, if you're visiting, you know, uh, you won't know, but if this is your church, you know, we don't talk about finances sort of June. June's the month we do teaching on finances. We take up our offerings in about eight seconds. Is that true? We don't focus on money. We don't preach around the offering. But I've had this on my heart for quite a few weeks now, and I'm getting to the point, if I don't share it, I'm going to be disobedient. And so here I go. Be with me because uh, if you know my nature, this sort of stuff rattles me. But I need to talk to you about tithes. I need to get you to understand the biblical principle about why we give. God's plan of it. You see, I saw a, a reporter ask a, a preacher a question of last year or something. And, and he said this, he said, Pastor, do you really ask your people to put in 10% of their wages every week? Like it was, you know, you serious? You ask them to do that? Like how, why would you do that? The church should be free, amen? Who's heard that? The church should be free. And it is to attend. It's free to attend. Anyone can come. Anyone can walk through those doors. You don't have to buy a ticket. Amen. It's free to attend. But sadly, it's not free to function. It's not free to function. It's free for you to come, but it's not free for us to open the doors. Does that make sense? And so, you know, we've been sort of discussing this for a while. And um, I think in the last... Four years, our offerings have gone down uh, $4,000 a week, right? And that's alarming, isn't it? Like that's when you've got an $18,000 um, electricity bill per quarter, that's what we pay just electricity. Um, it's alarming when the offerings go down that far. And I know, I know it's indicative of 
you know, it's getting tougher and tougher out there. I understand that. But this is where you've got to trust him. Let me, let me show you his plan. His plan here is very clear. It says here, verse 10, Bring your whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. It says, test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be, uh, there will not be room enough to store it. That's God's plan. I can imagine Jesus being resurrected, going to the right hand of the Father, sitting there and saying, hey, Dad, I just travelled to 2020. Do you realise how expensive it's going to be for our church to exist? And the father says to Jesus, he says, well, son, I got it covered. The plan works. If everyone puts in 10%, then everything will be covered. The storehouse will be full. There'll be plenty for everybody. And it's not, you know, equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. You know, if a person's on 10 grand a year, if that's, it's only 10%. If they're on 500,000 a year, who wouldn't want to be on that? You know, it, it's still 10%. You see, so it's, it's fair across the board. But what he says is when you do that, though, I'm going to open the windows of heaven. And my concern is when I look at those offerings in decrease, my people are not being blessed. They are not living this favour, Lord. So I thought about it over the last period of time. I thought, you know what? We need to test God in this. We need to test him. That's what the Bible says. It's the only time you can question God. It's the only time you can test him in all of Scripture. It's around finances. So here's, here's the challenge, if you like. Here's the challenge. I thought about this this week. I thought, why don't we make a decision to just tithe until the end of the financial year? Just every person tithe. 10% of their income, as the Bible says, till June 30. And test God every day. Say, God, I'm being faithful. I'm trusting you. And see what God does. And see how God blesses and see the favour that comes upon us because that's what his word says. You with me? It's, it's a tough area I know and I hate even speaking it, but it's the word of God. And so that's my challenge. You say, well, I could never do, do 5%. Do, start to build your faith. Start to trust him more and more. See, I, I've heard people say, oh, you put in $100 and you get 1000 back. I, I've, that's, that's never been my experience, never. But I will say this, that I remember when I got cancer in, in 2008, I was telling people at breakfast this morning, and they were putting me on a, a, a chemo treatment that was the toughest chemo that they could have. They had three in one. It was three chemos in one. Um, and they said that if, you know, if your body can survive the chemo, the cancer won't, right? So that was my guarantee. All I've got to do is survive and the cancer won't. It was that strong. One of those chemos was, what, $80,000, hun? Just one of them. Now, I don't know what the other two were, but they were all on that range, whatever. 
And so I thought, we just, we can't do that. Like, how can we come up with quarter of a mil like, like that? We just, and then my oncologist said, look, I'm gonna go to the, the government. I'm gonna put you on a trial. We're gonna make you the first one with this new chemo treatment. And uh, he sold it to the government because of no ongoing chemo, uh, cancer, you know, related stuff. And so they will save money by down the track by not. So if they do this, they'll save money. So that's how he sold it. And uh, so he came back to me and he said, Byron, he said, I've got you, you're the first one on the trial and you've got it for free. 93% success rate from that treatment to date. 93%, those who had stage four throat cancer like I had, 93%, didn't cost me a cent. So I know, I've seen this over and over again. Our, our tithe comes off the top of our wage, we don't even see it. It's direct debited every week. We don't even see it. But I tell you, God knows. And He has blessed us. I can speak for maturity. So I just want to challenge you. I want, I want you to have a go at this. Start to trust him. I know it's going to hurt a little bit, and that's okay, because that makes you stronger. And, you know, we might have to go without some things initially to do that. But when God blesses, I tell you what, it's, it's worth it all. So stand with us. And, and I did think this week with this whole corona thing, if the government stops people gathering in groups like this, um, if that was for a couple of months, I don't know whether we would survive. Now, asset-wise, we're fine, but cash flow-wise, because it's decreased so much, I don't, I don't know whether we would survive as a church. You with me? We live week to week. We don't, we don't live lavish. We live week to week. And so I need everyone to test God in this. I need you to stand with us and, and, and let's do this. Let's prove him, you know, to be trusted. Is that good? Yeah. Okay, come on, let's... Uh... Where's Pastor Mark? Come on up.